Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 96 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. I'm Nathan Hirsch. I'm with Jake Slobodnik. And Jake, we have ourselves a pretty special guest on today's pod. We absolutely do, Nate. And a lot of recent Pirate fans will know him all too well. He was a big part of the Pirates uh, in the 2010s, and we're very thankful to have him on. Just announced his retirement uh, a couple months ago, making some time for off-season activities. Mr. Jordy Mercer, let's kick this off probably the best way we possibly can and say, what are you up to nowadays? Well, uh, let me, uh, I've been busy. I'll tell you what, I've been busy. Uh, kids, my, all three of my boys are growing up. Um, they're in all three sports, uh, football, basketball, baseball. And then also, I'm also doing, um, going back to school, getting finished in my degree and, and doing a little coaching at Oklahoma State. So I'm uh, kind of... Doing the whole whirlwind again, but you know what? It's fun. It's it's glad to be. I'm glad to be home. I'm glad to uh, you know be a dad again and and um, a full time dad that is again, and also you know spend some time with my wife too as well. And just trying to make up for lost time, to be honest with you. And uh, but I'm enjoying the heck out of it, and we're uh, we're busy nonstop. That's good. Glad to hear things are going well for you. What are you uh, What are you studying? So I'm, I'm, my major is in education, um, but I'm minoring in sports management. So just kind of picked up where I left off. I had 40 hours left to go, um, and it's been 15 years I've been to school. But you know what? Uh, making the most of it, and it's a little bit different than it was 15 years ago. But it's all right. Yeah, I know. You know, going back to school after not being there for a while is probably really, really tough. Um, I was looking at your Twitter and I saw on your Twitter you have the Mercer Ranch and I was looking through that profile as well. What's what's up with that? It looks pretty cool. You have some awesome pictures on there. And I actually I see the picture with the buck on that account right now. And that is a big buck. So it's. That's my family's land. Um, my grandpa, actually, my dad grew up there um, out on the farm, and it's just right outside of Tuluga, which is my, my hometown. And uh, it's, there's not, it's obviously not very big. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tuluga or not, but it's not a very big town. It's a town of 300 people. Um, I graduated with seven in my entire high school class. Um, it's just a bunch of, bunch of farmland, a bunch of, uh, you know, people that's been out there forever, right? So everybody knows everybody. And so my, my dad grew up there when my grandpa passed away, he kind of took over the farm and, um, we kind of made it into a, a Mercer ranch kind of deal. And, and, uh, I love to go hunting out there. And obviously we got some, some really nice white tail bucks and, uh, we're trying to manage it as best we can. And we've kind of feed them year round and, um, we've made a lot of progress over the, probably the past 10 years or so. And we're just continuing to, uh, hopefully get bigger and bigger and, and I'm um, just trying to get that brand out a little bit, you know, and I got some cool hats and some shirts made. And um, I mean, it's, we're not a big, big, you know, we don't um, guide hunts or anything like that. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, we just want to keep people updated on what we're doing. And it's 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 fun. Like I said, it's it's fun to be out there. Kind of the everything slows down a little bit. You barely get cell phone service out there. And it's uh it's just nice to get out there and as much as i can to be honest with you that's awesome and all i heard was merch so i'm gonna have to get my hands on some of that that's pretty cool so baseball season's starting up um i don't know how much have you have you been following the pirates do you keep tabs with you know 
some of your old teammates. Andrew McCutcheon is obviously back in town, but how, how do you feel about the Pirates generally right now? So I, I do keep up with them. Um, it's I, I, something I always, I'm always going to keep up with them. It's, you know, I, Pittsburgh was our second home for a long time. I mean, my family, my kids, to be honest with you, they talk about it quite a bit still. Um, the times and my wife and I will sit down and we talk about some good times we had there too as well. And, and like you said, I still talk to Kutch. I talk to Jay quite a bit. I talk to Neil Walker quite a bit, AJ quite a bit. Um, there's guys that I've, I've continued to keep that relationship with and, and continue to text, talk, whatever it might be. Um, like for instance, AJ and I, we won't talk for maybe a month or so, but then we'll go on a streak where we're talking every day for about a week and a half. So it's pretty fun, man. It's, it's pretty fun that we created those memories that we did and like those 13, 14, 15 years that we had those unbelievable teams on. And um, just to, to, to be able to, like I said, to continue to rekindle those relationships. And I'm, I'm always going to have friends over there. I'm always going to, like I said, it's always going to be, you know, probably our second home, to be honest with you, because we spent a lot of time there and we met a lot of great people there. And and so I do keep up with them. I'm always uh, looking at the box score, or if not, sitting down uh, when I have time by TV, and I'll flip it on and and uh, still have the MLB package. So I'm, I'm I'm watching Pittsburgh, watching Brownie call the game. So it, it's fun, man. I, I still have a lot of connections up there and a lot of people that I know, and um, I'm always going to enjoy watching them. It's kind of ironic the timing of this podcast because I mean, with Andrew McCutcheon coming back. Mm-hmm. Jay Hay going public saying that he wouldn't mind a reunion in Pittsburgh. And just a couple days ago, it was announced that AJ Burnett's throwing out the home opener first pitch to his battery mate, Russell Martin. It's, it's, it's got to feel a little nostalgic knowing that really the early 2010s pirates, they're all sort of reconvening in 2023. How does that make you feel? Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I th- that's what's cool about the whole situation, right? Is our team's, our teams were that good. Everybody knew us at the time. We were, you know, not necessarily on top of the world, but I mean, we brought the brand back, right? We brought Pirate Nation back. We brought uh, the history, the the rich tradition, um, the you know, the P logo. I mean, everybody knew what that was, and I think we rekindled the city. I mean, it was it was such a cool moment to be a part of that, and I think when you create memories like that and you're on good, I mean, let's just face it. It's, it's hard to make the playoffs in, in MLB. It is, man, unless you're, you know, either the Dodgers or somebody that spends a lot of money. It's, it's hard. It's hard to consistently be there year in and year out. And like I've told numerous people, that 2015 team, we won 98 games. Uh, we had the sec- second best record in the league behind what, you know, the Cardinals, which was in our division too. So it, we just kind of got the short end of the stick there that year, but um, winning 98 games in one year, man, that's hard to do. And so, like I said, whenever you, um, you know, you know, you have years like that and, and you have the type of players that we had and the type of good people that we had, um, it's always nice to, you know, come back and, and see other guys and, and you want to be a part of uh, something like that. You want to, um, you want to cheer guys on and, and you want to root for, you know, that team that, you know, that set the standard there for a while. You got called up in 2012, and that was kind of the first taste of winning. Uh, that season, I remember the Pirates were 18 games or so over 500 in August, and it kind of fell apart at the end, and they weren't able to get to make the playoffs or uh, finish over 500. But the next season, 2013, you guys really took that step forward won more than 90 games. And I'm just wondering for you 
as a young player getting injected into the kind of culture change that was the Pittsburgh Pirates then, what was that energy like? And I mean, for, for the team now, I feel like they're kind of in a similar state where they're, they've kind of bottomed out over the past three years. And this is kind of the year to maybe take a step forward. What was it like for you though, back then to just kind of ride that wave of the team finding a lot of success? Yeah. So um, they're in a very similar situation than we were. So um, all that core group that we had, um, we won in a ball together. We won a double a ball together. We won championships back to back those years. And then AAA, we got split up a little bit just because people are coming and going to the big leagues and back and forth. And uh, we knew if we all got there at some point that we were going to, you know, turn things around. We just had that feeling, you know, we had that, uh, all of us talked about it all the time. We did like, we were just like, man, if we can just get up there together and continue what we're doing here, we know we can win games and we know we can turn this thing around. And we did. And that's what's cool is 12. We, uh, a few of us got a taste of it. And I think the key moment was for us in 12 was we were in first place, right? So we didn't know how to handle first place. We didn't know how to handle a winning record. We didn't. Let's just be honest. We didn't. It was all new to us. We were feeling the pressure from everybody. We were feeling um, this could be the year. Everybody's talking about it. 20, 19 years, 20 years, you know, end up being 21. Finally did it. But um, there was crazy talk about, you know, this, this is the year. And then the, everything just got big. We got the, you know, I don't know if we got the big head or not, but you can feel the pressure. Right. And, and if you're not in postseason baseball before, if you haven't played it before or in the thick of things before, it's a whole different feeling. It's a, it's a different feeling than just a regular game. It is. So I think that helped us out more than anything, to be honest with you in 12 and we, we definitely nosedived and didn't finish the way we wanted to, but I think it set it up for 13, 14, and 15. I think we added a few pieces um, here and there, some veteran presence, and then we also, um, all of us younger kids got a, you know, a year of experience to, to go what, you know, to go through that, right? Um, and I think that helped my development. I'm just speaking for myself, but to be able to play meaningful baseball um, you know, in the summer months and, you know, I, don't, I think by September we were uh, close to being out of it by then, but still it was meaningful baseball. I mean, that, that just, all it does is continue your development. And I think that set us up for, for big things in 13, 14 and 15. Like I said, we added some key pieces and some veteran players and then um, the younger guys got more experience and then it was just kind of a clash. And I think that's, I feel like that's what this team is headed for, man. This team is, they got great young core pieces. They do, man. They do. And it's just about finding the right combination. And, and, and more importantly, it's about finding uh, guys that know how to win, right? I think you put yourself in those situations more often than not. Um, you maybe fail a few times, but you're going to continue to fi- figure out how to do it, right? And then um, it, it's pretty similar, though, that this team is uh, coming up. This team has a lot of key pieces that we had, and then they just got to figure out the right combination to move them forward. Exactly. And one of the things that you alluded to in your previous statement was, um, you know, just the veteran presence. And that's one big step that Ben Charrington and the Pirates have taken this season. They've added guys like Rich Hill. May not give you enough innings throughout an entire season, but he'll lead that younger core. We already saw that with Johan Oviedo. They brought in Andrew McCutcheon. They brought him back just to try and lead the outfield core a little bit. And they've also brought in some, they sprinkled in some other veterans here and there. Going back to when you played, how valuable was it to have that veteran presence in camp and throughout the season to sort of keep you guys motivated and just sort of learn from them and soak in what they had to say throughout the course? 
So I think that's the number one thing. I think that's huge. Um, I think guys being around guys that's been there, done that guys that know how um, to go through the process of an everyday season um, guys that help you put guys that know how to prepare that help you prepare knows how to take care of your body. Um, I think there's just numerous things across the board, right? Um, knowing what to wear on the plane. I mean, for, for real, like things like that, that you might like the average fan might not think, but as a kid coming up through, you don't want to do something wrong. Right. So you're, you're, you're constantly asking guys for help or just leaning on somebody's shoulder or, you know, like, you know, whatever it might be. And you're looking for answers and because you, you don't want to stand out. You kind of want to just ride in the middle. And then once you figure it out, then you're ready to take that next step by yourself. And, and you, you can learn more about yourself and more about your game and more about the game in general. Um, but I think having veteran presence, man, is just it's huge. It's so huge in this game. I mean, you can talk all analytics you want, right? Um, game is trending toward analytics. We already know that it's probably at the peak of analytics, but um, analytics doesn't define um, a veteran player, man. It doesn't define um, what's off the field, right? And I think that ter- that helps tremendously with young kids and it helps tremendously um, for the kids, uh, for your team to take that next step. And, hey, this is how we do it. We're doing it, you know, this way, and it's a structured way, and this is how we're going to do it, and this is how we're going to win games. And I think that continued to lead throughout the whole clubhouse, and guys pick up on that real fast, and they end up winning games and moving forward. So looking at the roster now, I mean, one of the most exciting young players in the game, Pirate shortstop, O'Neill Cruz, six foot seven, throws extremely fast, can hit the ball a mile, has all the tools. Um, defensively, though, what what can what is it like to be basically a tall shortstop? Because you yourself, taller, six foot three, usually shortstops aren't super tall like that, but for someone like him, for someone like you, what is it like being kind of bigger at that position? Well, first of all, I can tell you it's a lot harder than a regular size human being. Okay. It's, <laughs> we have to bend down farther, right? Come on, guys. I'm just saying. Uh, no, uh, for him, it's, it, it, it's just the movements, man. It's figuring out, um, you know, how to stay healthy, you know, uh, listening to your body. Um, he's still young, so he's going to have, he's going to feel pretty good. Um, he, he's going to still be really athletic. Um, I think it's, we're going to look down the years and I think it's going to, we're going to figure out, you know, how is he going to manage that? How's he going to do that? Because it's going to take a toll on his body just because he's a lot bigger. He's got to bend over a lot farther. Um, you know, just, just first and foremost. But I think, I think for him though, I think it's just about learning, you know, when to turn it on, when to turn it not, not on, right? So he's still a young player, still trying to figure it out. Um, he's, he's very smooth when he's going through, you know, his movements, though, right? He's, he's very smooth. He's, he's very athletic. Um, he's obviously got a great arm. And uh, we just got, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to figure out how, um, when to turn it on and when to turn it on by meaning, like, um, who's up, how, with the speed of the ball, um, who's running, uh, things like that, positioning. I mean, there's a whole bunch of factors in than just going out there and just playing shortstop. I mean, there's a whole mental side of it that, um, as I learned as I got older, um, that's that was important. And and I think he, he's going to learn that as he goes, and and he's just going to continue to get better. Now, is he going to stay there? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows that answer, right? I think you know 
have we seen big shortstops throughout the years? Absolutely, we have. But I just don't know when has he as he matures and gets older and his body starts maturing more. Um, what's going to happen but as far as right now man I think you just let him go play and you let him get better and he's obviously getting better he's obviously growing and as a player and I just think it's he's fun to watch I, I think he's got all the tools that you would you you love to have right as a player I mean as a former player I mean I would love to have that arm I'd love to have uh, to be able to hit the ball that far and and to run like he does and just be athletic like that but um, it's going to be fun to watch and it's an exciting player to build around because if he does not stay at shortstop, it's okay. It's all right. He can move to third base and, and be a big-time power hitter and play great defense. I think he, he's suitable for plays. He can move to first base if he needs to. And, heck, he can even play the outfield because he's really athletic. So I think there's a whole bunch of things that to like about him. And it's fun that you, you, I've, going forward to be able to watch him and to see how he develops and continues to, to, to develop in this you know, great baseball player. As long as he's on the field, I feel like he's going to be valuable. I guess I have a question though. Uh, obviously at third base, the pirates have Cabrian Hayes and maybe I'm biased, but I think he's the best defender in the sport at any position. He's just been so amazing since coming up. And I was just wondering like as a shortstop, what does it mean to have just a gold glove type, just awesome third baseman by your side on that side of the infield? Well, it definitely gives you reassurance that anything hit, you know, to your right as a shortstop, that's going to get caught. You know, I think um, he's going to be able to cover more ground. Um, he moves really well. He throws really well. Um, he's very, very fun to watch, man. I've heard a lot. I got to meet him my last year in Pirates. Uh, he was there in spring training uh, coming up through the system. I got to meet him and talk to him. And he's a great kid, you know, great head on his shoulders. Loves the game and loves the, and plays the game the right way. Um, I think it's just a matter of you know finding that consistency with his bat. And um, obviously, we know that the defense, like you said, the defensive skills are there. Um, and it's nice having a guy like that that you can plug in each and every day that you know what you're going to get right as a manager. Um, as Sheltie, you know, says, you plug him in every day and you know what you're going to get. It's just a matter of, will that bat take that next step? I think that's what everybody's waiting for. And I think it will. I think he's still young enough, man. He's still learning. Um, I think he's got to stay healthy, right? I think that's the most important thing is stay on the field and play. And then I think it's going to come eventually, but he's, he's another guy that's fun to watch. And so you, so you're saying like the left side of the infield, you got core pieces there, right? And that's what's exciting about this team. Like we talked about earlier is you got the key key court guys in, in place that you can build around and, and hopefully some good things are going to come down the road. For sure. And I think we're starting to see that now sort of culminate after a couple of years, of these guys finding their footing. I think now we're starting to see that sort of improve a little bit. Um, and I want to ask you, because you were on these playoff teams, you saw a lot of uh, a lot of players who carried different skill sets and brought something different to the field. Are there any similarities between the guys that are out there right now for the Pirates and the guys that you played with? Um, I think there is. You know, like we talked about earlier, I think you have that young core group that came up together, that's played together, that knows each other, uh, spent years in Pirate City together. I don't know how many years that we spent in Pirate City together, whether it be instructs or spring training or um, things that you just get, you start creating really good relationships with those guys. And so I think you have those core. And then you also... Um, like you mentioned, you're, you're adding these vets that maybe Andrew, like Kutch doesn't know some of these guys that, you know, obviously he knows who they are, but you know, as a relationship wise, 
he doesn't know him. And that was kind of the same with me. Like I didn't know, I knew who Marlon Bird was or I knew who Justin Monora was, but I didn't know, I never played, you know, play with them. I didn't know them as a person. Right. Um, so he's going to create those relationships. That's going to help feed off each other. And Kutch does it the right way. I think anybody knows that he, he plays the game the right way. He, he prepares the right way. And I think guys are going to see that. And that's going to be the biggest thing for these young kids um, guys are going to see that and, and guys are going to, you know, they're going to want to work just like him and they, they want to be in his shoes as, as he grew in the game and became MVP and, and whatnot and made a lot of money and had a great career. Um, they're going to want to see what he did to get to that point. Right. So I think that's what these young kids are going to see. And, and that was kind of the same shoes as me. Like Clint Barmas played 10 years in the big leagues, man, I wanted to play 10 years in the big leagues. So what did he do to make him so good to stick? Or same with walk or saying, I mean, there's a lot of, I could go down the road for, for a lot of people. And I think uh, you sprinkle those guys in, like we mentioned earlier, and those young kids will, will feed off. I want to change, change directions here and talk a little bit about the spring training uh, sort of road that these players are on right now. Um, and I want to ask a little bit of a, it's a, it's a complicated question because as a fan, you see some of the things that have gone on over the past couple of games as spring training starts again. And, and like today, the, it was a split squad appearance. The one squad against the Yankees was no hit until the ninth inning. The other did pretty well, I would say, against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, but overall, it doesn't seem like the Pirates are getting the results they want from the players. And one thing I've noticed as a fan is that the offense is trouble getting going. And as a fan, it's really easy to sort of fall back and say, Oh my goodness, I'm worried about the regular season. As a player, if there is ever a struggle in spring training, do you sort of like how, how did the players respond to this sort of struggle? Is it, do they really concern themselves over it? Okay. So I might be the wrong guy to ask because I was terrible in spring training all the time. It took me forever to figure out I was, so I'm a, I'm a leg kick guy. Um, it took me forever to get my timing. That's just the way it was. And I, I going into spring training, as I got older, I knew it was like, all right, here we go again. I'm going to suck for the first two weeks, maybe three weeks. And then right towards the end, I'll start figuring it out a little bit better. And then by the time the season starts, maybe I'm, I'm still not where I want to be, but I'll be a lot better than where I was. Right. So that's, that's kind of the approach. I think a lot of guys take it's, it's spring training to me is it's not a big deal at all. To me, it's not to me. I think um, it's about getting prepared for the season. I think there's only a couple, maybe maybe three spots, maybe four if you're lucky, that are open, and half of those are on the pitching staff maybe. Um, but most of, most of the time going into spring training, guys or clubs know where they're going to plug and play guys pretty much, and it's just about getting right. Um, right now, pitchers are ahead. I think that's that's just the way it is. Yeah, you'll see some guys hitting the ball at the ballpark and, and whatnot, but for the most part, pitchers are ahead. They're always ahead early on. That's just the way it is. They've been, think about it, they've been throwing since, you know, right before Christmas probably, or even maybe before that. And hitter-wise, you know, you're not seeing really live arms until you actually get to spring training. And then it's like maybe a week and a half of practice and seeing the live arms for maybe four or five days. And then boom, you're thrusted in the games and you're, it's go time. Right. But the good part about spring training is it's a month. So you, as, as each and every day goes by, your timing gets better. Um, you know, the ball scene or the game seems to slow down. The ball seems not as quick. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that you can gather 
um, as you get towards the end of spring training, that things you start feeling better about yourself and the game starts slowing down and you're like, okay, here we go. Now, now I'm, I'm in my comfort zone a little bit. I'm starting to feel better. This is kind of where I want to be. It just takes time for that. I was the player that took forever for that. It just was, I, I had to work at it. I had to really, really work out my timing and, and to get my body in the right position. And then once I did and, and I started repeating that every day, then I started feeling a lot better, but I think it just takes time and spring training to me, like I said, it's just not that big a deal. It's more about getting prepared for the season and, and more, most importantly, keeping everybody healthy. I think that's a big thing too, as well. Uh, keeping everybody off their feet as much as possible, getting your four or five innings in and then getting out of there until you start building up. I think that's the biggest thing too, as well. So I wouldn't put too much stock in it right now. Um, I've seen some early spring training games, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go crazy about it. Uh, the offense yet. I think it's, it's, it's still, like I said, the pitchers are a little ahead, but um, I think it'll, it'll, it'll eventually start coming around and guys will start uh, getting more locked in as spring training goes on. I feel like too, this specific spring training is a lot for players because I'm sure you've seen the new rules implemented pitch clock is that's like the main thing that seems like will It'll, it'll have the biggest difference in the game uh, moving forward. You also have the shift ban, the bigger bases, the pickoffs, but do you have any, any early impressions of, of the pitch clock? Do you like it? Do you like how the pace of the game is going? So defensively, yes. Um, I want, I always want as a defensive player, man, let's get the ball, let's go. Because like, I think you're always on your toes defensively, and I think it's going to help overall defense across the board. I think it's going to help defensive players – um, be better defensive clubs in general um, across Major League Baseball. Now, on the offensive side, I think it's going to be an adjustment because after swings, after takes, you have a routine as a player. That's what you do. You, and, and, that, and that's what kind of spring training is for as well is, is to continue to develop your routine and getting, get in, getting in your comfort zone pitch to pitch. So as a hitter, you're taking a pitch, you're stepping out of the box, you're adjusting your batting gloves, you're adjusting whatever you need, you know, whatever it might be. You're going back in, in the box, you're digging in the dirt, you're making whatever you need to do, and then you tap the plug, you're ready to go. Well, now you, you really can't do that unless you actually stay in the box. And so it's, it's a different routine for players. And I've seen, I think I saw Correa maybe just a couple of days ago where he was starting his routine, got out of the box, started his routine, and then he looked at the pitch clock and he remembered it real fast. And he jumped in the box real fast and didn't even take practice swings and the guy was already throwing. So that's going to be an adjustment. Um, but I think you just start, you, you got to develop a new routine as a player, as a, especially as a hitter. I think that's the biggest thing is you, you develop a new routine or otherwise take maybe throw some some other, uh, some of the stuff that you do out and shorten your routine one or the other but i think that's going to be the biggest adjustment i think guys are going to manipulate it a few times especially pitchers um there's going to be some cat and mouse games going on but um once we once we get that dialed in i think um it's just going to go a flow and our college season started at Oklahoma State, and guys, we're playing like two-hour and fifteen-minute games, and college games take forever. So that's that's one thing that's really helped um, the college game, and it's crazy how much quicker the games are going. And to, to I help with the defense of the infielders and all that stuff, and all my guys are saying that they love it. Like I like I mentioned before. Because it keeps you on your toes as a defensive player, man. That's what you want. You want to get the ball and go. Next pitch, here we go. And you're always on your toes. You're always thinking. You're always ready to go. And I think that's definitely going to help the defensive side, but it's going to have some struggles on the offensive side. So with that being said, I'll ask this, and maybe you've alluded to it through uh, 
what you just said, but looking back to your playing career, do you wish that these roles were implemented at that time? I mean, a lot of people held you high because of your defensive abilities. Do you wish that these rules were in place when you played? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have liked it because I'm a, I'm kind of a baseball purist, right? I mean, I'm kind of on that, that fence of new age versus old age type. Um, I, I choked up with two strikes. You don't see that anymore. I feel like with, with very many guys. So I'm, I'm still, I, I spread out, you know, guys don't spread out anymore with two strikes and the boss trying to put the ball in play. I mean, there's just a whole, it's a whole different, you know, aspect of it. So I'm kind of on the fence about it. I think defensively, I would, I would have liked it probably for sure. Uh, but offensively, I liked my routine. I like taking pitches and, and stepping out and kind of recollecting my thoughts, taking a breath, um, doing what I need to do and then taking it pitch by pitch. So, and that's what I was alluding to earlier. It's just, from from a former player side, I mean, that's kind of what I like to do. I, I think I, any infielder would say the same. Any defensive player would probably would say the same as what I'm saying is is you want quicker pace as a pitcher. I mean, you loved it, right? So um, I always loved when play behind Charlie Morton because, man, you knew it, the ball was coming your way. He was going to throw that sinker, man, and it was going to be put in play pretty quickly. And you had to be ready. And I think that's what made us a great defensive team those Pittsburgh years. But um, like I said, offensively, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I, I liked my routine. I liked, like I said, taking, you know, collecting my thoughts and taking a breath and doing my different routine pitch by pitch. I like thinking the game. I'm a big thinker. I love uh, thinking situations and scenarios. I take a pitch. All right, it's 2-0. Got to run around second or whatever it might be. What's he going to do to me here? I got the pitcher behind me. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going through my head. Now, I feel like you just get up there and hit, man. It's crazy. And so I don't know if I would like that as much, but – um, it is what it is. I think it's going to take time to get used to, but I think once players are used to it, though, I think you know they'll be fine. And what about what about the lack of shifting? What do you think about that, both as an offensive player and in the field? So, to me, I'm not I'm not for all for the shifting. I, I, I mean, I'm not all for banning the shifts. Let me put it that way, because if you're going to hit it in the four hole, if let's say this, you're just a big lefty, right? And you're going to hit it in the four hole. Well, why can't I play in the four hole? You know what I mean? Like, why can I put 10 guys over there if I wanted to? I I get there's only nine on the field, but if I put 10 guys over there, why does it matter? If I know you're going to hit it there every time, why can I not do it? So to me, like I said, I think this goes back to the baseball purist thing again. To me, how about you make an adjustment in the box and hit the ball the other way or work on that in the cage? I mean, I don't know. You know, that's kind of my approach about it. Um you know, I, I think it's going to benefit lefties way more than those righties because, like I said, that four hole um, is people would you could box in that four hole really well <laughs> with three guys over there, and, and it's almost an automatic out if the ball is on the ground. So it's going to be different, but guys will get used to it again. Like I said, it's another different rule, but um, to me, I, I I just think that if you're going to hit it over there, over there, and over there numerous, numerous times, and we got spray charts like crazy where we got your whole career, you've you've done the same thing, why can't I put guys over there to stop it? And so that's kind of my approach about it. But like I said, it might change as I watch baseball games, but right now that's kind of the way I'm looking at it, and uh, we'll see where it goes. It's always interesting to hear either a current or former player's takes on these new rule changes because there's so many differing aspects of it. I want to change gears again. What, what do you guys think about it? Like, what's your what's your take on it? You know, I was I was uh, purist whenever they were you know drawing this up, and they were always in talks about it. I'm kind of like down the middle with it. I I like the the pitch clock. I do like the new pace of play. I think it does get things done a little bit quicker. The bases, 
I'm either way for, I think it's fine either way. Uh, shifting, I think it could benefit a lot of hitters. I think it could hinder some hitters, but, um, yeah, I'm down the middle of it, but I think I'm more in favor of the pitch clock. Yeah, I like the pitch clock for sure. Just the watching experience is, I feel like it's a little, it's it's more sped up. It's more fun to watch, I feel like, for me as a fan. As far as the shift goes, it's funny because whenever it was first discussed that they might ban the shift, Jordy, I was kind of with you. I thought, why can't hitters make adjustments? But also at the same time, I felt a little self-conscious saying that because I'm sitting watching from my couch. I can't hit, but hearing you say that is, is kind of funny because I've, I've heard a lot of fans say make adjustments. Just if you're a big lefty hit the ball the other way on the ground, I mean, you have to do what you got to do, but I guess now, now that they actually have the rule in place two infielders, each side of second base, I'm all right with it. Pitchers have had like, they have such an advantage from the get go. Just the stuff the relievers that it seems like every relief pitcher throws a hundred miles an hour, 95 plus at least. And it's just harder and harder to hit. And I'm all right. I've come, I've come to the side where I'm all right with maybe enhancing the offense a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. I I'm excited to see how it turns out, but yeah, like the Matt Olsons of the world, they're they're going to be eaten this season. Yeah, I think that's the, the 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 coolest thing that is we get to watch this play out right in front of our faces, right, right in front of, of the TV, and figure out how, you know because it's it's new to everybody, and that's what we don't really know what's going to happen, um, you know. And and you're right about the pitching, man. The pitching just seems like it gets better and better every year. It got so much harder as you know from my first time in the league to towards the end of my career man it it was crazy that you're just guys after guys after guys coming out of that bullpen that when early on in my career it was like okay let's get this starter out as quickly as we can because this guy's got good stuff let's get in that bullpen so we can we can start you know hammering down right shoot now you want the starter to stay in as long as possible because you don't want to get in the bullpen on some of these some of these teams and especially when you see it in the World Series. And that's what I tell people all the time. They're like, man, how, how do these teams, you know, end up winning the World Series? Like, what does it take? And I was like, pitching and defense, that's what wins. I was like, hitting can only take you so far. But in the end, pitching and defense is what's going to win the World Series. And that's what, it can, we continue to see that every year. I mean, Houston just went up and called people up with their – with their pitching, and yes, they had timely hitting, and they had good hitters on their team too as well. But their pitching is what what won the what won the whole thing, and so it's going to be fun to see, uh, especially like that more offensive. That there's definitely going to be more offensive chances with only two guys on each side of the bag. I feel like too with the pitch clock, I feel like that can help enhance offense as well because you look at it. Pitchers, they'll throw a pitch. They could take all the time in the world before to kind of gather themselves, catch their breath. And just with how relievers are today, 110% energy into every pitch. I feel like with the pitch clock, it'll be kind of more of like a, it'll be more of a marathon, more than a sprint. And you'll have to, you won't have that time to catch your breath. And maybe the stuff won't be quite as sharp, but. I think it'll be cool to see just how pitchers are able to throw, you know, 20 pitches in the span of five minutes rather than taking as much time as they want. It'll definitely be an adjustment, like you said, for the hitters to kind of get their timing down. But I'm interested to see how 
how the pitch clock affects pitchers. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think it's going to I think it's going to affect starters more than it would relievers because to me, if you're a reliever, you're coming in for one inning for the most part, maybe two uh anyway, and you're coming in guns a blazing, man. That's it. As a reliever, I mean, you're coming in, this is your this is your chance to shine. Most guys know that they only have one inning and you're going to let it eat for one inning. And so you're getting the ball and you're going, right? I think starters are going to, going to have to figure out how, like you said, to collect those thoughts, to take a mental break for a second if you're not finding the strike zone or whatever it might be because uh, you're, you're throwing multiple innings. I mean, hopefully you're going to get five out of a starter. Um, more than likely is what you try to get. But um, So I think they're going to have the more adjustment than the relievers because most of the time the relievers are coming in and they're hot, they're ready to go. They know they got three outs is all they need, and they're just going to be pumping bullets in there like they normally do. Jordy, I feel like we didn't give enough time to for you to sort of talk about yourself and your rise to the big league. So let's step away from the current rule changes, the landscape of spring training, and talk a little bit about your baseball career. Uh, for those who may not know, I live about an hour away from Pittsburgh and an hour away from Altoona, two places that obviously Jordy went through through the development of the Pirates system. Uh, do you have any core memories that you can remember from your Altoona days and or your Pittsburgh? Okay, so one, one memory for the Altoona is I got to ride the roller coaster finally. In right field. Is it still there, by the way, the roller coaster? It is. It is. And they, they're, I think they actually recently, uh, reno- not renovated, but like they, they upgraded it a little bit. So, so I've always, I always saw, saw it, right? And finally got to ride it towards the end of my Altuna days. And I'm telling you what, man, the wood structure on that, when you were going up top and going around, you could feel that thing moving left and right. And it was like, I'm telling you, it was crazy how I got to experience that, that the whole wood, um, roller coaster, which you don't see very many anymore, but that was nuts. So that's one thing. It's not a baseball thing, but that's one thing about Altoona that I'll remember because everybody knows Altoona, the, the roller coaster right field. Everybody understands that, but that was one thing that was crazy that I got to experience that I'll never forget that. And then also the, 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 the year we won the championship, I think that was kind of, you know, we won an A ball the year before and we went back. Um, I remember we were, we were facing, you know, Andy Pettit on a rehab start in the playoffs and we end up, we touched him up. I mean, we just, we had a role in those two years and we had a good core group. And like I said, that's when, what we were talking about earlier. That's when we knew that we had a chance to be or do something special up in Pittsburgh. If we all got up there one time and we finally all did and we ended up doing it. But, um, and then the Pittsburgh days were just the whole turning, turning it around, man, just being a part of something special that well, like I like I like I mentioned again earlier, is we we turned the whole organization around, and I think that was what was more satisfying to me than probably a lot of things was I was a part of you know turning that because we we all knew the tradition, we all knew the history of the Pirates, we all knew how um, some of those teams that they had in the seventies that were so good, man, and um, even in the eighties they had great teams too, but we just wanted to get back. Um, to the way the Pittsburgh was supposed to be played, especially baseball-wise in that city. We knew the fans were hungry. We knew that it was going to be a crazy outburst when we did get there, and it was. And that was what's coolest. And we were just, it was so satisfying to be able to do that and be a part of that and, and change the whole trajectory of the, the organization into a winning organization instead of the, you know, the losing organization that they were for 21 years previous to that. Yeah, I feel like, 
Like looking back at that era, the 2015 team to me was the peak because, like you said, you won 98 games. You had the second best record in the whole sport. I still feel robbed as a fan by the concept of the wild card game. I'm forever salty about that, and I'm glad it's gone. I'm glad the one game is gone. But that 2015 team, you look at it, there's so many different characters. You had Francisco Cervelli. He was a huge fan favorite. A.J. Burnett, even you know, Kutch being the superstar that he was, just what was that locker room like? And what was it like just going through the season and just winning and winning and winning? Oh uh, man, it was, it was one of the best, you know, one of the best years of our, probably our, uh, you know, careers as, as a team, as a player, um, you know, to be able to win that many games and to constantly go out and know you're going to win. I think that's, what's cool about the whole situation in spring training, man, we knew that we had a chance to, to take the next step. Right. So we, we were two, two years coming off the playoff and we knew that um, we had a, a chance to, we were hungry for more basically. And we knew we had a chance to really, really, really uh, have, have a good year. And we did that. And we, it just seems like from, from the get go that, we expected to win. And I think that's what was cool is about, you know, this team's prior. We, we knew we were going to win, but we weren't really expecting, you know, to win. And we're, you know, we're kind of on that verge of, of turning the whole thing around. And 13, it was an explosion. 14, we were pretty good, um, you know, better. And then 15 is when we knew, like, hey, you're coming to play the Pirates and you're, you're going to lose. That's basically how it was. And we brought it, seemed like, you know, you have to bring it. If you win 98 games every year, you got to bring it and every game I'm in. So we brought it and it was so much fun. And I, I saw a clip when we clinched in Colorado, um, that 15 year. And I want to say Brownie or whoever was calling the game that night um, was like, you know, the Pirates ended up winning and they clinched their third consecutive year in the playoffs and they were 36 games, I think it was 36 or 34 or whatever, over 500. And my, I didn't know it at the time. Like, I knew it, right? But to actually go back and, and watch that clip and to understand exactly what he said, I was like, holy cow, like, we were that many games over 500. That's crazy. Like, that's crazy talk. Um just you know, being knowing how hard it is to do that, and that's what's fun. That was that was what I remember about the 15 year man. It was just we we knew we were gonna win every time we went out. We, we just knew it. And I, I'm kind of the way you were. I think if we played a three game series, I think we'd have won. I do. I, I really do. I think we had depth, and we had all you all you wanted as uh, a club wanted. Um, we had a bunch of different pieces we could win in a bunch of different ways. And I think if we had a three game set. Um, especially in that wild card, we would have won. And then who knows if we when we played the Cardinals, man, it'd have been an it'd have been a, it'd have been a bloodbath. It would have been it would have been crazy. But because they were really good that year too. But I wouldn't I would have not wrote us off though. That's for sure. Because we could have played with anybody, anytime, anywhere that whole year. Yeah, it's just wild that in the 14 year, you guys got Bumgarner, who just had a historically great playoff run, and then the very next season in another one game playoff it was Jake Arrieta and he was himself on a crazy historic second half of the season just I'm sorry to bring up bad memory as a fan that was just that was just torturous to have to to see the teams that were so good just face these historically great in the moment pitchers so that's funny that you say that because 
14, Bumgarner basically won the World Series pretty much by himself. You know, I mean, let's face it, you know. And then I think didn't Arietta in 15 throw a no-hitter versus the Dodgers in the DS, right? Or the CS? One of the two. What was it? Do you remember? I think he threw a no I think he threw a no-hitter in the I guess the Dodgers in the playoffs though after he beat us in 15. So yeah, I mean, it's crazy to to be able to face guys like that, you know, on a especially a one-game playoff that they're at their pinnacles of their career and having probably one of the best stretches of of any baseball player they could have at that that moment, right? So it's pretty it's pretty crazy. I want to jump back a couple more years, back to 2013. You guys, you break the uh, losing spell. You clinch the playoffs for the first time in forever. And all emotions are running high, uh, at least in Pittsburgh and surrounding areas. I got to get your firsthand take of what the atmosphere was like on that field in the blackout, the Cueto moment, everything in that 2013 wildcard game. So um, I tell this story all the time. So we were on the bus headed back and – um, we were like, let's black it out, right? Like, we knew we were hosting a wild card, so we're like, man, let's go on social media. This is when social media started getting crazy, and we're like, let's let's black this thing out. Let's tell everybody, let's let's black it out. And we we're like, all right. So we started doing it, and so we were all like, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Like, we knew it was gonna be great. It was gonna be an outburst. It was gonna be crazy. We knew it, but we did not expect that. I don't care what anybody tells you on that team. There ain't no way in hell that we expected that. I promise you that there's a sea of black. The the fans were unbelievable. I mean, you talk about a home field advantage, man. That was nuts. And I just remember, like, almost the whole game, the hair was standing on the back of my neck just to be a part of something like that. And the Cueto moment was cool because, you know, he was a really good pitcher at the time. Like, he was, he was at, at his A game, so he was really good. And... <clears throat> to be able to feed off that energy of the fans and, um, you know, him dropping the ball. And then, you know, was it then, I think it was the next pitch or maybe the two pitches after that one, the two might've been, I think it was the next pitch for us to hit that homer. And I think that kind of solidified like our moment, right? I think that was our moment of, okay, we're back. Like Pittsburgh's back. The pirates are back. That was our moment right there that we are here to stay and hopefully, continue this thing out for many years in which we did. We just wish we could have went farther, obviously, but we, we solidified like our stamp right there. Um, and it was, it was something that I will never, ever forget. Just seeing the, the fans all blacked out like that. It was, it was crazy. It was nuts. Yeah. I gotta say, I was lucky enough to be at that game. And as far as sporting events that I've ever attended, that was as close to a religious experience that, as I can even think of. It really was the, the stadium coming together as one big thing, just screaming the entire game. The game was pretty well at hand. I mean, the pirates were up six, two, that's what they won. They, you guys won 6-2. But even when you were up four runs, the stadium was just as loud as it was when Martin hit that first home run. And it was just – and Marlon Bird as well. He had a home run as wasn't well. There, but, uh, wasn't there people jumping off the bridge, right, in center field? Wasn't, it, wasn't I, that right? I think someone jumped in the river. I, that did happen. Yeah, I think I'm, I can confirm that too as well. So – that's how nuts it was. Oh, I'm so jealous of you guys. You guys were there for that moment because that sounds like the greatest moment in any sports fan or even player's history. But uh, it's it's good to get that firsthand knowledge of what it was like in that wild card game. It, it does. It is unfortunate that the Pirates couldn't go any farther than that. But like you said, Jordy, I think that was the moment where it kind of put the exclamation mark saying that 
we are back. And then a couple months later, Kutch wins the MVP. It just felt like everything kind of went full circle. So yeah. And then again, that three year, you know, you guys ride that playoff streak and it's got to feel good. And tell me as your career sort of went, you know, headed toward its end, was there anything else that maybe you took away from the game of baseball that maybe you're passing on to your players now as you're coaching or maybe even your kids as they're growing up? Yeah. So for me, um, I, I harp on relationships a lot. I think that's one of the biggest things that, um, as a player, you spend more time with your, with your teammates than you do your family. And that's the truth. That's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, you're, you're there, you know, 11, 12 hours a day. Um, and it's every day. So, um, I'm always telling my boys, you know, that I'm, con- you know, and, and they know who Kutch is. They know who Neil is. They know who Jay Hay is. I mean, they've been around those guys for a long time. And so, um, they know that I've continued to talk to them. And, you know, even my nationals days, I just talked to Kyle Schwarber a bunch and Trey Turner a bunch and just Ryan Zimmerman. Um, and then back with, you know, Detroit, I still, I still talk to Jordan Zimmerman, you know, I still talk to Miggy at times. So, they all know what they see those players still on TV. And so I instill in them like, man, it's all about relationships. It's all about creating memories with your teammates. And and sometimes you're going to have friends for life. And my boys are on their teams that basically that they go to school with kids school, you know, uh, their classmates with a lot of them are on the same teams uh, together and, and they're, they're starting that they're creating that right now. And so that's, what's cool to see that they're always hanging out and always want to do stuff together. And, and I'm, I'm trying to relate that to my college guys too, as well as that these friends that you're going to make here are friends for life, man. They're, they're some, somebody that you spend a lot of time with, like I said, more than anybody else. And you're going to create those relationships that's going to last forever. And I think that's, what's the cool thing about baseball is it brings people together. Um, it brings, Two, I mean, it's taken for instance, like the MLB locker room, it, it brings different countries together that you would n- normally think that wouldn't, people would not get along. And they, they end up coming, you know, really, really great friends and they end up being friends for life. And that's what's so cool about, you know, I'll text Gregory Plonko every now and then and, and we'll talk. I mean, it, it's just cool that to be able to, you know, have friends from different countries and, and, and you know, different, you know, they speak different languages and things like that, but yet you're still friends with them. And that's, what's cool about baseball is it brings all that together. And especially when you win too, man, that makes it even funner when you win and, and, and you're having a great time together. This will be my last question. I don't want to, you know, take too much time up from you today. So I guess basically we could wrap it up with the pirates currently. How, how do you think the pirates are going to be this year? And you don't have to give like a record prediction or anything like that, but what would, kind of constitute like a successful season for this team? I mean, I I think flirting around 500 would be great. I think that's kind of the pinnacle of, you know, what, like we talked about, you know, early in this podcast is, is, you know, it's what we started in 12, right? We kind of made that jump to a winning record and first place for a while. And then we were just hovering that 500 mark for a while. So I think that's kind of the next step for them is to hover around that 500 mark and then, be ready for bigger things coming up. I think you're, they're setting themselves up for something special down the road. And I've talked to Neil. I, I talked to Neil a lot and I've talked to him uh, just a few weeks ago, you know, about this team. And it seemed like he was excited about these young core pieces. And, and we talked about like, it reminded of us too, back in our heyday when we played is, 
is just they got to figure out how to win, right? And to figure out how to be in the games each and every game and, and to learn um, that it's a, it's a team, it's a collective effort, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a different guy every now and then that wins games. And I think once they figure that out and continue to play for themselves and or uh, not for themselves, but for themselves and each other at the same time, but, you know, figure out how to, to collectively as a team, um, pulling all in on the, on the same end of the rope. Right. And so I, it's going to be, fun. man, I'm, I'm going to watch them quite a bit. You know, hopefully I'm going to get up to Pittsburgh during the summer as well. My kids talk about going back there all the time. So, um, we've kind of put in the plans that we're going to try to make a trip up there this summer and, spend some time there and I need to see some people and, and um, say hi to some guys and, and things like that. But I'm going to keep an eye on them and I'm going to watch how they continue to develop, especially that, that core, those core guys, um, you know, how they develop and continue to progress and then take that next step. I think that's what all pirate fans are waiting for is collectively take that next step together. And, and then that's going to set up for, for special things down the road. While Nate focused on the current state of the pirates, I'll, I'll finish off my slate of questions by asking you this. Uh, it seems like the relationship between Bob Nutting and a lot of the people that were part of those playoff contending teams, the, the, the connection is still strong with them. If he were to reach out at any point to you and say, Hey, Jordy, would you maybe consider coming back being a coach? Would you, would you maybe help some of these young guys that we have high hopes for maybe try to get them over that final hump? Okay. So first part of that question is, um, yeah, I talked to Bob. I talked to Bob. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think I talked to Bob a lot, but I talked to Bob a little bit. We'll put it that way. It's not like, um, I've, I've created a relationship with Bob that I've known him obviously for a long time, but, uh, we'll text every now and then that's just what we do and we stay in touch. And that's, what's, what's, what's so great about Bob is, um, he continues to reach out to his former players and guys that, you know, have made an impact. And, um, he, he, he loves that kind of stuff, man. And, and that's, what's so great about him. Like I said, is, and so the second part is if you would ever ask me to, I mean, I would, I would definitely consider, I don't think there's any part of my mind that I wouldn't, you know, would not consider it and, uh, to come back and, and, you know, to help an organization that kind of, you know, set, set helped me my career and, and set me off on the, on, on my career and, and playing, uh, for a while, you know, living out my dream. And, and, uh, man, it would be, it would be fun to get back and, and to, to get back, especially back to winning ways and back to an organization that is on back on the map. Right. And cause I've been there, I've done it. I've, I've had that feeling before. I've, I've seen the feeling. I've seen what happens to the city and I've seen what happens to the fans. I've seen what happens to the ballpark. And I, I hope that guys, you know, get to feel that and get to experience that because it's something that they'll never forget. And something that's what makes you as a baseball player understand, like, this is why I put in this hard work and this preparation and all this stuff to be able to play in games like this. And, and it's all worth it. So uh, of course I would, man, it'd be, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to, um, to, to cope, to come back and to give back. And, um, who knows there, there's some things going on that I've talked to, um, maybe in, in the, uh, the media relations part that uh, I could get involved in. So we'll see. Uh, there's been some things that, that we've kind of talked about with the pirates on that side. So I think Neil Walker has got a little hand in that too, as well, but we'll see what, how that shakes out and we'll, we'll see, uh, all the stuff moving forward, but I'm excited to get back. Like I said, get back to the ballpark this summer and bring my kids, my family, and and just experience that feeling again. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
Absolutely. And and hopefully we do see around the Berg more, especially that they're celebrating these playoff teams. It'd be great to get, see you back up here. And I think it would just add a little bit more momentum. And going back to your point about the whole success factor that this team's bringing on, I think it's, I think it's going to be here sooner rather than later. So it's going to be very, very exciting to see. Well, uh, and along with the media part, I'm sure Neil will reach out to you at some point about a spring training zoom call. I mean, we've seen that already about, uh, throughout the past couple of telecasts. So hopefully that comes too. And, uh, yeah, it's just been an exciting conversation, Jordy. I thank you so much for taking some time to talk the plank with us here tonight and giving us a little bit of a first-person point of view of what it was like to be a baseball player through the trying times, through the successful times, and you know now that you're a mentor to the others. It's just, it's just been an impactful uh, conversation, so thank you so much. Yeah, guys, I appreciate you having me, and um, good luck to the Pirates this year. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching and uh, hope we continue success. For sure. Thank you so much, Jordy. And hey, whenever the Pirates are maybe 40 and 30 at some point this season, we could, we could have you back and kind of talk about how the good times are rolling here. Let's do it. I'm in. Let's do it. Awesome. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Jordy, before you go and before we sign off, do you want to drop your Twitter handle and have our uh, Bucks Dugout faithful follow you? Yeah, it's, it's uh, Jordy underscore Mercer. Um, I only have Twitter. That's all I have. I don't have Instagram, but I, I have a Twitter and I got a lot of bird fans that, that continue to follow me and reach out. And, and it's, it's fun to see you all, all, all you guys continue to support me. And it's, uh, man, it's like I said, Pittsburgh's my, Pittsburgh's our second home as a family and it'll always be. So, um, it's a pretty, pretty exciting time to, to be a, a part of the, the Pirates organization. I'm looking for many good things to come. Absolutely. And it's going to be a great time for all of us. So. That'll do it for us here on Talk the Plank. Want to thank our special guest, Jordy Mercer, former Pirate shortstop, for taking some time to talk with us here today. Go ahead, follow him at Jordy underscore Mercer on Twitter. And I want to thank my uh, co-host, Nate Nathan Hirsch. Nate, uh, what you want to drop your Twitter Twitter handle as per usual on the show? Of course, you can follow me at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And exciting news, we got a we got a Talk the Plank podcast Twitter account up. Should have done it earlier, but it is it's there now at talk the plank pod so give that a follow and jake also uh plug your twitter absolutely you can follow me at underscore radio jake and be sure to follow bucks dugout lots of good content now that spring training is underway lots of good stories for you at bucks dugout including talk the plank podcast it's going to be fun so make sure to follow everybody here and follow bucks dugout and the talk the plank podcast twitter just lots of exciting things as the 2023 season is just starting. So for all of us here, for Jordy, for Nathan, my name is Jake Slobodnik signing off. See you next time here on Talk the Plank.